0: What we do here is go back, 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 back. Wow, what a guest we have for you today on the Point of Difference podcast Mitch Cleary. After winning the Rising Star Awards at the 2014 Australian Football Media Awards, Mitch has established himself as one of the most respected journalists in the game. In 2020, he will once again host the round so far with Cane Corns, as well as linking up with his great mates Carl and Riley on their podcast AFL Exchange, which targets a younger demographic and will help set up the agenda for a revamped footy feed. All right, here we go. Welcome Mitch Cleary. All right, Mitch Cleary, thank you so much for joining the uh, Point of Difference podcast.
1: Thanks for having me on, boys.
0: Beautiful. Um, so, I, just to start off, um, from what Luke and I have seen, you're definitely viewed as one of the one of the nice guys in journalism, um, and you tend to get a bit less hate from the public than some of the other journos out there. Has that been a bit of a, like bit of a conscious effort from you?
1: Oh, thanks for that. Firstly, um, sometimes <laughs> it's not the way I see it uh, every day, but um, <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, I've found that the best way to build relationships is trying to build some trust both ways, and um, and hopefully not only that is with football people and, and people I speak to each day in my job, but also it extends to the public. Hopefully uh, can resonate with them. I think uh, I do a podcast AFL exchange with uh, two of my good mates, Riley Beveridge and Kowal Toomey every Monday. So hopefully people can see a bit of a, a different side rather than that, I guess, hard hitting ruthless journo that sometimes people uh, can think we are. So yeah, hopefully that uh, provides a different side of things, but uh no, I appreciate the uh, the compliment. It's uh, it's nice that uh, it comes across that way sometimes.
2: So is it, I guess if you do get, you know, hate messages over say Twitter and stuff, how do you,
1: do you ever respond to those and how do you deal with those? It's funny. Uh, I remember firstly, when I was sort of trying to cut my teeth as a journo, I would see a lot more of it. And, and I don't know if, Twitter's changes notifications or anything like that but I reckon I saw every tweet and now I think only some of them get filtered through depending on who you follow Mm -hmm. and and whether you've interacted with that person in the past so I thank Twitter for that um I I don't sort of buy in too much I've seen a lot of other journos try and buy in and it sort of doesn't go anywhere I think once people have an opinion and they've read your story and and the sad thing is a lot and truth be known a lot of people don't actually read the story they might have a preconceived idea or read the headline and don't actually consume what you've written most of the time. Yeah. So I think it's pretty hard to sway people once they've had their initial say on, on something you've said or, or written. So um, just try and move on to the next thing. I think we're busy enough. Uh, I, I do like to get involved and, and um, have a strong debate with people sometimes. But if they're if they're coming hard for you, then it's uh, sometimes yeah, it's worth, worth the hassle.
0: Yeah. That's a
1: Oh, I've, you got I've noticed, like, um, I've noticed with
2: some journos, like I look through their Twitters and they'll they will respond to comments, but they'll pick and choose, and it sort of makes you feel like they're hiding away from it. And it's like you should just, you know, pick one side or the other, and not
1: just pick and choose who you respond to. Yeah, it's a fair point. Sometimes, um, Twitter, what is it, hundred and forty characters? I think we're back up to one hundred and. Uh, 240 now, whatever it is, when it comes on to Twitter, um, yeah. you can't really get your full point across. So sometimes I might reply to to someone to sort of use that as a way to mm. to um, explain a bit more of what I was trying to say and hopefully other people can see that I've, I've said that once. But getting into yeah. a full-blown argument with 20, 30, 40 responses, it yeah. can be a bit, uh, bit time-consuming. Yeah.
0: Is, is Twitter the main platform you use as a journalist?
1: Yeah. Yep. Um I think so. Um yeah. to, to expand our stories. Um a lot of people a lot of my mates aren't on Twitter. I don't know how you guys see it. I think for for journos in the industry and, and journo and people who are keen to get into the field, I think a lot of people are on it. But yeah. I, I reckon if I lined up twenty of my mates against the wall, I reckon mm-hmm. one or two would be on Twitter. Um yeah. so it's important that we, we branch out and, and I think Instagram's becoming a big news platform um to be honest yeah. right? even during the week the joe danaher story um had big cut through on instagram and, and just back to to guide my age in their mid to late 20s people probably aren't on on twitter so if you're hitting eyeballs um you, you got to cater for your audience and i, I think yeah, yeah facebook's not the obvious one but instagram is is pretty big and um hopefully with the, the platform of afl.com.au and, and the app we've got mm-hmm. and people are Finding the site uh, anyway, regardless of but, those social media platforms.
2: But I guess that's the thing with like Facebook. I've noticed, like I noticed you have a Facebook account, but not, and I believe that's your real one, your real journal page. Yeah. Um. But I don't think many other people that I've seen in this industry really have pages where they just post stories and stuff.
1: Yeah. I, I um. I, th- I think I sort of started that when I was at Croc Media previously I sort of thought it was a good chance to branch out and, and find a different audience because it was back to that point. Most of my mates aren't on Twitter and I think how do my how do my mates consume something? Um yep. you know, I always it, it I do laugh when you might break a story and then your mates will forward you the, the post from one of those troll Facebook accounts or um, <laughs> you know they <laughs> yeah. trade new yeah. accounts that everyone seems yeah. to be running and it's sort of oh, have you seen this story? It's like, well hang on no, no I wrote a story there an ago and that page oh, open, so I thought yeah. uh, it might be a good chance to sort of get it out there first but when you when you're writing a story it can get all pretty quick. I don't know it's hard to explain but when you hit the story um getting it out there is is very important but you're mm. on the phone you you're speaking to different people and you know that story might hit go and then people might be ringing you back about it and and different details to add to the, the next yeah. update on it so it's 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 important to get your story out on, on social media, but it's also um yeah, there's so much else going on that you just don't sit on mm. Twitter and, and Facebook all day. Yeah, well
0: so, you, you briefly mentioned this before. Um you you recently broke the the Danaher uh, moving to Brisbane story. What was it what was the feeling of breaking a story as big as that? And did you um yeah, obviously utilize um those platforms to to get the story out there as quick as possible? And and I guess what was the
2: progression into a story like that like how does it start and how does it you know progress as a story
1: well i will say i think sam mccoy beat me by four or five minutes on that i, I think it, it, when it <laughs> I comes down to that story <laughs> yeah like i think our story was sitting in the in the system ready to hit go um yeah and it comes can come down to minutes but I, I think we had the story the full story up you know at the same time essentially um and mm-hmm. that's how it works i think people you're speaking to different people in the industry at different clubs, um, managers, people, friends of players, all those, you know, just the natural sort of people you would speak to. And, and if they're speaking to you, then no doubt they're speaking to other people. So once you get a tip like that, you've got to act pretty quickly. It's not as if you can sort of sit on your hands and, and it's yeah. go away. Like And you, you'll you have a whole day to, to work on it. I sort of speak to old school journalists and they reminisce about the days when you get a 10 a.m. tip and you could hold it to the 6 o'clock news. Um, yeah. It's pretty funny how the world's changed with Twitter and that the moving pace of things like that. You need, you need to act pretty quick these days. So yeah. are you just always on,
2: like, are you always thinking about the story and always getting leads throughout the
1: year with knowledge that there's a high chance it will happen? Yeah, and it's funny you got to work through what's real and what's not. Don't you? Like yeah. the amount of, I still remember one was, uh, I got a text one night about Sam Mitchell joining West Coast. This was, f- what is it? Four or five years ago now, maybe even three or four. Yeah. And I thought, oh, come on. Like you get, you got to work out what's real or not because you can't be ringing every, if you, if you followed up every tip you received on every rumor that was sent to you, <laughs> you'd send people insane. But I thought, nah, what are the chances of that really? The next day mm. it came out and, and sort of thought, yeah, I wouldn't mind my time again looking at that one. So it's just it's just a balancing act the whole time as to what you do and, and what you chase, really. So you,
2: yeah. how many tips do you get, like, regularly and,
1: you know, and 90% of them just made up? <laughs> oh, depends. Someday you might get none. Someday you might get 15. It just depends. Yeah. Really. And you
0: can, do you, you have, have, like, a that. process to, to go and, like, researching on the tip?
1: Yeah, I'll, I will check it. I'll check out most of them, um, and I think you can usually get a gut feeling. Firstly, on who it comes from. So whether it's just yeah. if it's someone who's been right in the past or um, that sort of thing, it's it's. Um, I think that just comes with time, doesn't it? Like everything, you just you work out who has been on the money in the past and and that type of thing. So um, yeah. I won't discount many tips really because th- th- there's always an element of truth somewhere. It's just about whether it's going to happen. And sometimes, you know, a player might have canvas to move 2% chance it's going to happen. Do you really want to write that? You know, there's always yeah different things you, you're weighing up. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Cause it's also your journalistic integrity as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah and people might not see it, but <laughs> you, are. Uh, you write a story and yeah, and there might be, you might be, you might've had 10 others that that haven't come to light that same day. uh, And people just think you, Oh, you know, you're just throwing darts, but it's, it's not (laughs) not not as easy as that. Yeah. Okay.
2: Um, now I guess moving, moving back to the start of your career, you started working at, um, as you talked about earlier, um, companies like Geelong Advertiser and Croc Media. How was that transition into the AFL? Um, and, I guess, what are some of the differences like working for, you know, the official
1: company that runs the league? Yeah. So always my dream was always to become the best journalist I could. Um, and the John advertiser was an amazing um, first job in footy. I was year 11 and 12 covering local footy. Um, first game I re- recovered, I was in year 10 actually. I think I was fifteen and Devin Smith debuted for Lara in the GFL. He kicked four goals on debut and Peter Riccardi was the opposition coach. So I thought this is pretty cool. Um and I wasn't much chop as a footballer myself, so I thought may as well be riding on it rather than trying to play. Um, and I guess yeah, the natural progression was to, to try and get to Melbourne at, at some stage. Um it's where the heart of footy is and nine of the nine of the eighteen clubs. Um, are in Melbourne, so it was always a passion and a dream, and um, yeah, I just—I don't know—it's hard to explain. It just, just kept trying to do the right things, and um, people always said if you if you keep doing the right things, doors will open. And um, I was lucky enough to, to land on my feet at Croc Media, and and have been given the opportunity to to work for AFL.com.au, which is a an amazing platform, and. Um, you know, everyone reads the AFL website, so I thought mm. it was a it was a great chance to uh, to move across. All right.
0: Yeah, so we asked a we asked a similar question to Ned Edwards earlier this year. Um, what is it actually like working as a journalist for the official AFL website? Do you find it hard to be like critical of them? And where's the line drawn when with like what you can say about the business itself?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, uh, just trying to sort of think that when it comes to the line, it's not as if there's a hard and fast line. We're a pretty cohesive yeah. unit. So Nat and, and Cal Toomey, Riley Beveridge, Mark McGowan, some of the, the great journals that we work with um, at the AFL and, and our editors and, and sub-editors, we're pretty cohesive. So it's almost on a, on a needs, on a story-by-story on a story basis, we're always bouncing off and, and mm. how far can we go on this and, and that sort of thing. So when it comes to the line, I think, and that just comes with time as well. Um, and, and Damien Barrett's come across in the last 18 months and um, he's been huge for us as well. So um, I think there's just an ongoing conversation really in terms of what we can um, and can't write.
2: So what's sort of the, if you I mean, you don't have to go too into depth, but what's sort of the hiring process of the AFL? Because I've noticed like there does seem to be a constant theme with you know, the journalists that they hired generally being of a higher quality than a lot of the other sources even, you know, the professional
1: ones. But, yeah, what is that hiring process like? Yeah, um, so I came across at the end of uh, – sorry, at the start of 2018 uh, because Pete Ryan was a senior reporter of AFL.com.au. He moved to the age. There was a, the position opening up. Um, obviously, since then, there's been a restructure just with, with footy, like like everything, um, we've uh, become a smaller unit, I guess. Um when it comes to the hiring policy, I think they just look for the best people on, um, the best traits in, in journos. And I think one of the big things that we've, we've looked to focus on is, uh, podcasts and, and video. So people that can do a range of things. And I, I think we've got a, a great team at the moment. Yeah. So more versatile yeah. than just being a, the journo. Yeah. Um, I know you've had Nat on, uh, and she's huge, you know, she's, uh, she's the face of, of what, of what we do. We just had the AFLW draft during the week here and. Sarah Black did a great job with that, and you know Nat can write a, a news piece, and then the next day she can be hosting the uh, the official coverage for the AFLW draft. It's uh, it's a pretty cool yeah. set for women like her.
2: Um, and I just noticed you posted an article ten minutes ago. Is that are they pre prepared articles, and what's sort of the time frame between when you write them and when you post them?
1: Is that the Jared Brander story? Yeah.
2: Yeah, it just came like on. on.
1: That was probably why I was a bit. It was pretty. Uh, my, my, why I might have been a minute or two late to coming at the so like, yeah, <laughs> okay. Uh No, it was. That was a story I worked on for about a day or so, just speaking to different people okay. about. Um, and yeah, it wasn't. There's no deadline or. Um, a lot of the stuff we do, there's deadline, obviously, but that, that's just. Yeah. That was a story that was in the works for a day or so, and I just hit go before jumping on here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hopefully people can check Thanks
0: it out. So you do quite a bit of work with um with Kane Corns. Um ho- co-hosting the show the round so far with him. Um what is Kane Corns like as a bloke? He seems like a like a pretty interesting guy.
1: It's funny I am um... I first got to know Kane when he first retired from the AFL. So I've, I've known Kane right back from the start of his media career, uh, working with oh, okay. Croc Media at the time. And he's uh, he's an employee of Croc Media essentially. So he at the time was working on our Footy SA program, which still exists on, on Channel Nine in Adelaide only. Um, at the time I don't know if you boys remember, Sunday Footy Show would happen in Melbourne, uh, and in all states, but WA would get Footy WA. SA would get footy SA and here in Melbourne we'd get. Yeah. So croc media were responsible for producing all three of those. So I worked across all three of those shows and, and Kane was a big get for us at the time and um, producing for Kane back then always knew that uh, he was going to have a strong opinion on things and his work <laughs> ethic is phenomenal. Seriously. Like I've worked with some, um, a range of different people. Um, Terry Wallace is another that springs to mind when it comes to, to work ethic and, and never switching off um Kane's a he's got an amazing footy brain and um he loves the new side of things I reckon if I text Kane he'll, he'll, he'll either respond within a minute or a couple of hours if he's running or with his kids so he's always on <laughs> and uh I think that's what makes him uh makes him uh the media talent that he is
2: I mean he seems like a pretty funny guy like do you feel though as though a lot of the stuff he says satirically sort of gets misconstrued by the media?
1: Yeah, oh, he doesn't say things for the sake of it. Yeah. Um, how do I put it? it Kane's very and, and and one thing I will give him, he's um he's addicted to US sports and Bill Simmons <laughs> and these type of guys. Yeah. And you don't actually see him tweeting about it. Uh, you, you might see a lot of other people who tweet about their NFL team or their EPL team mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. He, he sees that he's a footy journal or he's a football broadcaster and and, uh, nice. and commentator, and that's what people will follow him for. But he's got a lot of outside interests. Yeah, and, um, he takes in a lot of what other other people do, um, and maybe he's, he's molded himself on a bit of that sort of stuff. But I don't think anyone could. Um, ever accused Kane of not speaking what he thinks at the time. Um, and let's be honest, I think he says a lot of what other people are thinking some of the time. Um, I don't know where you will mm-hmm. sit on it, but. Uh, I just saying, love how, yeah,
2: I just think he's a funny bloke. Like I reckon, I reckon like, I do think a lot of this stuff, you know, he'll say something and in context, you'll see it as a bit of a joke, you know, he'll say it as a bit of a laugh and then they'll write it as a headline. And then yep. of course people who don't watch the clip or read the headline will think that he's, you know, got no idea. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. It gets back to sort of what I was saying before, doesn't it? Like mm-hmm. and people were very quick to, to bark down someone's throat without sort of having listened to what they've said and the context around. Yeah. It. So And I've noticed even
2: even if it's on a network that he's associated with, they'll still do it just for the clicks, I think.
1: Yeah. Oh. Yeah yeah um it's all about engagement isn't it you know yeah you're, exactly you're trying to um you're getting people to to watch your stuff and, and people might think that's clickbait but um i think the strongest stuff is obviously the natural lead for the headline and that's mm. health and that yeah i guess
2: that. it's it's so, a fine line sometimes. yeah
1: um but yeah I, I i do hear and people say oh kane's just chasing the clickbait i think he's just I think he's just a strong voice and and sp- speaking what he says um, at the time and not everyone will agree with it. I actually do find it interesting and, and spoken to him quite a lot about it is when he was a player and, and um, he said he would take a lot of this stuff to heart and I think that sort of helped shape him as a player. Um, yeah. Sorry, from when he was a player to, to what he's like as a media commentator. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't think he just goes on a whim on the yeah. stuff that he does.
0: Yeah. I guess moving on from Kane Corns, you, work, you also work a bit, uh, quite a bit with Damien Barrett and um, uh, you've been described as a bit of a mini Damo. Um, how much influence has he had on your career as a journo?
1: Yeah, well, I still remember sitting in Damo's office at Croc Media when I was 19 yeah. and he offered me my first full-time job. So um, Damo's been... It's huge for me, really. Um, and I've learned so much from him. Working with him on the footy show and um, different different stuff with trade radio was his first. Well, not his first, but my first role on trade radio was as his producer for his show on on trade with with Terry Wallace. Um, and now he's at he's over at afl.com.au dot com. dot as well. And mm. um, yeah, he's been been super. And um. He he's very giving of his time and uh, yeah. his expertise in the, in the field. You yeah. see, Damo was just the guy on the footy show and the guy on the Sunday <laughs> footy show now and the Triple M part of that team. But he had 20-odd years at the Herald Sun where he's been in a mm. lot of different positions and, and seen a lot yeah. of different teams. So uh, he probably gets sick of me asking questions and uh, <laughs> asking for advice, but um, hopefully it's only for the better. Yeah. Well, I mean... I think he's another one who gets a bit of a bad rap. Like
2: considering, I guess a lot of people I think who frust like who we, they, um, a lot of people who get frustrated at him. I think don't really listen to say like the rub on Triple M and listen to, you know, when he has a joke around with the guys and yeah. they think he's a very serious bloke. Yeah, it's, um, great.
1: it's a great point. Like he, um, even the Sunday Footy Show as well with the light-hearted stuff. I, I think it shows that. He's- yeah, exactly. Um, and, and just here, like Triple M, like JB and um, Bill and those guys can't speak highly enough of Damo, so. Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah.
2: And otherwise he wouldn't have been there for, you know, yeah. 10, 15 years or whatever.
1: Yeah. No,
2: nah, absolutely love him. Um, Now, talking about the Exchange podcast, which you've mentioned earlier, um, can you tell us a bit about, like, the relationship between you three and three how that came about? Yeah, (laughs) Um, um, yeah,
1: yeah. Carl's been the mainstay at afl.com.au. I reckon he's been here for almost 10 years now, longer even. Um, Mm. he had the exchange podcast with Matt Thompson and Nick Bowen, uh, for a long time, and they used to have Gus Brayshaw on for one year. Yeah, I remember on for a while. Um, I think Alex Rance did a year, um, and then that Cal Riley and I were keen to do another podcast a bit b- b- bit more of a lighter look on things and um, for each, for a younger audience um, at that same time. But then Nick Bowen moved to channel seven, same as Matt Thompson. Um, he's now a sports producer at channel seven, uh, Matt Thompson. Um, so then that sort of just naturally rather than doing our own, we just sort of took the, took the reins of AFL exchange and tried to change it up a little bit and um, we're all pretty close mates. So I think it's probably brought us closer together to be honest. Um, and just yeah, there's a bit of a void uh, out there for, for, for just a, a bit of a, a lighter podcast and just sort of, a yeah. bit of a pub chat. Oh, pub chat might be a bit of a basic way <laughs> to, to explain it, but just, just act like you three guys. Yeah. The fat, like you would be in the office. I, I think, and I think Cal has said it quite a bit on the show. It's sometimes just basically what we, we sit around in the office talking about we try and replicate on the show so yeah it's we'll more like the obscure sort of stuff yeah um and there's so many different footy options um when it comes to podcasts so hopefully it's a bit of a different one and it's funny mm. speak to afl list managers and, and managers people actually listen to it on like i thought the <laughs> podcast was sort of the fans but people in the industry do listen to it as well <laughs> so that's, uh, that's really cool yeah, of them, yeah. Of them, and those types are, are listening
2: um well I remember like hearing an episode I think it was with the um might have been last year or the year before with the Bev show on yeah um how do you how do you go about getting these sorts of guests and I guess what makes you decide all
1: right let's get this guy on and yeah yeah well, I think it's probably come from listing habits of other things I know listening to other shows having traditional footy guests on sometimes it can be pretty stock standard you know. Ask X, Y, and Z. We move on, but we we try and sort of make every minute of every of every show sort of entertaining to some degree. So I thought people who can resonate with our audience and who we enjoy chatting to might be a, a bit of a different look rather than just getting a player on every week or you know an assistant coach or a coach on to talk about just the standard stuff. So yeah, Bev wasn't too hard to track down. He's he's pretty accessible. Yeah. And he, uh, he's always open to doing stuff. So how much control do you guys have over the
2: show? Because I know it's quite, you know, um, it is, it does feel like it's your thing.
1: Yeah. You well, yeah. So we, we take turns each week so that one of the three of us will write the rundown in uh, conjunction with our producer, Jack Haley, uh, who's one of those unsung heroes at, you know, AFL media who not many people would know ex- like they what they do really, but you know, Behind the scenes on draft, you know, big, big, um, sort of, you know, you know, programs like the draft, and um, you know, he, he produces access all areas for demo and Lloydie on on Mondays. So, so those, um, mm. those other programs. Um, so yeah, Jack's Jack ties all together, and I, I guess we 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 just got a group chat where we just throw around ideas all week, and usually land on something Monday morning for the show on Monday Avo. But is there much of a um, is there much like quality control that they have to
2: go through? You know, because it is as a part of the AFL website.
1: Um, no, I think. Well, yeah, absolutely. There's quality control, and we, we we always, you know, I think it helps with this. We've got four voices on it, so if there's anything that we think, oh, that probably doesn't work, then someone will always be open to yeah. to saying it. Um, now that they back they back us into to to know what's right and wrong to talk about and yeah touch wood i, I think uh it's it's been all all good so far yeah.
0: yeah so i guess turning our minds to to the to the footy um how have you found the season of 2020 during uh covid-19 both in terms of reporting and watching um what do you think will change for 2021 season
1: yeah it's interesting like um i've got a zoom press conference Later today, um, I think that's become the norm. You can be anywhere in the country. Okay, Is that with Chris Scott? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, So um, you just log on and, you know, one thing I have found is uh, coaches are pretty more, a bit more timely when it comes to the Zoom press conference. Usually when you go to a club training and uh, you're standing, you might be standing around for 20 minutes, half an hour, but the the coaches Mm. are all pretty good at the moment. So, (laughs) How many
0: journos would... How many journos would typically be on the the Zoom um, press conference?
1: So today I reckon there might be 10 or 12. Okay. Um, just big final, only two games this week. Um, do you know what I mean? Sort of, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, normal one with Chris Scott might get six or eight, um, but only four teams to think about this week. So there's a bit more focus on, on that one. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, people are, People just take their turns like a normal press conference. is sometimes a bit of, um, uh, you know, a bit of, uh, bit, bit of talk, um, bit of talking over each other. But um, yeah, it's uh, it, it all works it up itself out pretty well.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks for joining us, Mitch. Um, yeah. Thanks for joining us, on.
1: Mitch. Yeah. No dramas, boys. Thanks for having me. Beautiful. Really on. interesting. Cheers.